0: What is going on, everybody? Hello, puppies. I am Andrew. I'm Kata, and this is under further review. Presented in part by Last Word on Sports. This is a show where two Lushes are drunk on sports. Hi. Hi. It's like I haven't seen you in like hours.
1: Literally. It's so funny. I actually, I don't think we've seen each other this much.
0: In a really long time No, it, it was like it, high energy Close quarters for about four days straight
1: It was a lot This is the <laughs> fifth
0: day in a row now that we've we've seen each other For podcast content
1: Yeah, and, and guys, I gotta tell you it's, it's been weird, it's been rewarding It has not been easy We are exhausted But we are so, so excited about All of the fun content that we have for you guys right now um, And we'll be releasing that throughout the week Um Obviously, we'll be doing that on our social media. So while while we're thinking about it, go ahead and uh, give us a little follow or a like on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Our handle is at UFRVodcast. Our podcast comes out every Thursday, everywhere you can get podcasts except for Spotify because we're not that cool yet. Maybe by our third season. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, we also... I uh, want to remind you that you can feel free to shoot us emails. Our email is cotta at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or things you'd like to share with us, um, we are more than happy to indulge you there. And we actually have one this week, and that's kind of how we want to start. because yes. We've got a lot to talk about.
0: Yes, indeed. So the big story of the week is that we, for the second year in a row, <laughs> attended the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Uh, last year, we only went to Madison Square Garden for the two night events this year we went balls to the wall. We did four days of this. We did uh, all four day sessions at Pier fifty four, uh, Pier ninety four, mm-hmm. and then we did both night sessions on Monday and Tuesday at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it was a um, a tremendously fulfilling, exhausting, exhilarating, humbling experience.
1: It really was. But I got to tell you, you know, last year was really fun too, and we learned a lot. We. We kind of figured out, kind of like what works and what doesn't, as far as us being there, because we are the outsiders there, undoubtedly, like the people who do- who belong there probably the least. Um, but I don't. I just want to give a quick shout out. We definitely couldn't have done it this year without our producer Sarah. Yeah. Um. She was amazing and made it so much easier for us to do what we love to do, which is talk to and about dogs. Right. Like we had such a good time. Um. But. We did have an email that we want to get to. Um, We had a question before the week began, actually came in like Saturday or whatever, but it says, greetings, Andrew and Kata. I know you're planning to go to the dog show and I have to ask, do you guys even know how this works? How are the dogs judged and what on? How does a judge go about selecting the goodest boy slash girl of a breed? Sincerely, Desperately Seeking Enlightenment, AKA Sam. Um, thank you for your question and um, to answer it in short we really didn't know a whole lot of what we were getting into um, having done this last year you know you get a little bit of an, an idea and as avid dog fans and people who you know spend time watching dog shows on like Thanksgiving and whatnot um, when they're airing on national television you know, you can kind of gauge what it is, but we actually sat in on a very informative info session.
0: I think that this was the most important thing that we did this weekend, was the dog showing 101 yeah. session, because b- before it, we really just didn't have much of a clue as to as to what to look for. And the first thing that came out of the guy who was introducing the whole thing's mouth was that the word cute is not in any kind of language about the dog show. It's not about which dog is the cutest, be- uh, even though, like, we as non-dog showing people are going to be like oh my god that dog's so cute that dog's so cute how do you pick you know the best dog out of you know all these ad- adorable animals but the way that they set the whole thing up it's just so enlightening and super interesting as to how one judges a dog the the words that were tossed around the most were the words breed standard mm-hmm. which i had not heard before but after going through that informational session and then watching all of the breed judging from there on out it, it, you could uh, uh the the mood for us kind of kind of shifted a little bit yeah we we kind of saw like okay so we're we're looking for uh these kinds of things we're looking for like things like the reach of the dog how you know the, the strength of the legs the levelness of the of the back of the spine and things like that the way the uh the the head sits up the posture things like that
1: yeah and all of those things have different weight based on what actually the function of the dog is meant to do so when you think of dog breeds um, obviously dogs are descended from wolves and I actually um, on Disney plus watched a really interesting like Nat Geo kids documentary thingy on it um, when we had a dog here because we thought he would enjoy that content. Um, but did he, did he? I believe so. okay yes. Um, but it's like how why dogs are shaped the way that they are and how these breeds are made and dogs started being bred for different purposes. So you think you're hunters, your gatherers, your herders, your shepherds, like that kind of a thing. And um, and all of these different qualities of the dog, its height, its tail, all of these different things um, were kept in mind uh, for those functions. So um, like a cocker or spaniel serves a completely different function than a German shepherd, you know, and there are reasons for that. And that is what the dog is being most judged on. Um, of course, there are aspects of it, like the grooming and the handling that are also judged. But um, but yeah, it was really interesting. And we we learned a little bit about each breed standard, and we won't bore you with all of that right now. But we definitely encourage you to, to take a look at it.
0: Yeah. Another thing that I found super interesting were uh, the judges themselves, mm-hmm. e- especially when you get up into the, the whole group judging things and the best in show things. The way that this whole thing is set up, if you're not familiar with how a dog show works, is that you have, uh, there's three rounds of this. There are the preliminary rounds where uh, all the breeds, you've got, you know, anywhere from, from one to, you know, in the, we saw the Golden Retrievers on the last day in the morning, to f- almost 50 Golden Retrievers. So anywhere from one to however many of that one breed, They'll then, the judge will then pick the best of that one breed, which will then go and represent that breed in the group stage. So you have Hound, Sporting, Non-Sporting, Toy, Terrier, Working, and Herding. Those are the seven groups. Each group is made up of uh, different, however many breeds of dogs are, are specified in that group. From there, the judge will pick the best of that group, which will represent that group in Best in Show. So you've got the seven dogs that are representative of all the groups that compete for the title of Best in Show. Right. So about the judge's... You have to know, especially if you're in the like the group stage of the best in show, you have to know so much about each individual kind of dog.
1: And they and they specialize too. Like it's not just like, oh, I wanna be a judge. You have to be like certified as one, um, proving thus your knowledge about each of these different breeds. And there are so many breeds. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Um Additionally, we also—I just want to throw this out there—we got to see the agility rounds this year too. We did, we and saw it, some fast dogs.
0: It was—it was only day one, uh, and I—I I just wish that we were able to stay for the whole thing mm-hmm. because I, I really wanted, like, I could watch those dogs go through. Um, the, the the weaving poles all day long
1: well we got to watch last year's champion and i think from the year before to pink yeah she Pink was the ended up one. winning this year too yeah yeah and she was the only one who ended up doing the agility course in less than 30 seconds this year that was really really cool um and that's like less judging but it's interesting too like you look at the the judging specifications obviously these dogs who are being judged on the more traditional show basis you know you can't have them in clothes or you they can't be dyed a particular color a junior handler that we are speaking to you um you guys might remember her from last year we did a youtube video with her kira um was telling us about how the hair of the dog for instance like on her uh finished lap and dusky she will trim the the hair in between his toes and on his feet but the hair on his body is not to be touched not to be with However, like a, a poodle or a sheepdog, it's a little bit different. Um, um, it's, it's really, really interesting. But in the agility rounds, they loosen those rules a little bit. We had a lot of, a lot of dogs with purple tails, the Westminster purple. Um, it's a little bit more lax and, and kind of fun.
0: And another thing that in, uh, is included in the agility round, which you don't see anywhere else, is the inclusion of mutt dogs. Uh, dogs that are dogs that are of mixed breeds that typically doesn't happen that never happens in um, in breed judging because they're all so purebred. Mm-hmm. The dogs that are in the agility round, it's literally just the fastest dog who can get through the course. And these mutt dogs that compete are just called all American dogs, which I love so much because you see, you know, all these different um, combinations of breeds. Just to, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what kind of dog you are if you can get through that course quickly. I mean, you can be included in this.
1: And many of them are rescues too, which is kind of cool. To, you know, go to Westminster and win a title as like a rescue mixed breed dog. Um, Yeah, it was it was a really interesting and and educational weekend. I think um, if I I highly recommend if anyone has the opportunity to do a show like Westminster or Royal Canaan or whatever, um, definitely try to be there as much as you can for the beginning parts, because that's how you really, really learn about what makes the best
0: dog. And what I noticed was that a lot of people were like really happy to talk to us.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: I mean, we weren't just, you know, these, these, you know, little... Insolent kids like we were last year on the two days that we were at MSG when we were at the piers You know, it was a lot of people's first times there at Westminster You know, they were you know, they had come to New York for the first time they were they were Just happy to be there They may not have done very well in their specific group or breed or, um, or round, but they were just happy to be there Happy to talk to us happy to get the word out about their specific animal Absolutely, and again. Yeah, I agree with you completely if you have a chance to go go and let go from the very beginning Mm-hmm. And like really see the whole thing through because it's quite an experience.
1: Absolutely, and ask questions. I mean, in the beginning, I feel like um, the the breeders and the owners and the handlers are so much more willing to answer questions um, because you know there's there's a little bit less on the line. It's a little bit less of a of a strict and um, and stressful environment. Um, we we got to pet a lot of dogs in the beginning too, mm-hmm. which was really really fun um, and play with some. But uh, all of that content is thankfully preserved on video. Thank God. And it will be coming out on our social media throughout the next
0: couple of weeks yeah i have a lot of editing to do but i'm really (laughs) i'm really excited to do this editing i'm 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 excited to get all this content out there and thank you to everybody who uh let us interview them let us pet their dogs let us talk to them it was really uh quite an experience this week and, and you all are part of it so thank you
1: yeah we had so much so much fun um and made a lot of friends i'm i'm already looking forward to the next time we'll cross paths with a lot of these people and and their pooches um but last year, we had a little bit of an argument before we went about whether or not dog showing is a sport, which ultimately we came to the conclusion that it is. Um, I still 100% believe that it is, particularly after seeing what we saw this weekend. Um, just this, this, the incredible amount of work that goes into, you know, maintaining and grooming and training a show dog. And um, so many people, so, so, so many people, you know, we would go up to them and say, hey, we have a sports podcast and we were just wondering if we could talk to you. We're kind of new at the dog show thing, like we're not seasoned at it. And um, and they'd say, you know, this is our Super Bowl. This is what it is, you know, and um, and it, it does have a lot of similarities to, to sports. Obviously, it takes place at Madison Square Garden, one of the most um." Renowned stadiums in the world um, Dogs run out of a tunnel And get into the stadium And then compete um, And people are fans We talk to a lot of fans
0: Oh boy are people fans yeah. Oh yeah there were uh, Fans on the, the the second night That we were there Were savage Like it was to the point where Okay when someone boos a dog It's a little uncomfortable Yeah But we know that like they're, The people booing they're booing the judge's decision to pick a particular dog. Right, right. Because, okay, so on the second night, there was a Wire Fox Terrier who was uh, uh, selected out of the terrier group to compete in Best in Show. Now, the Wire Fox Terrier won the whole thing last year Mm -hmm. over a couple of fan favorites like Bean, who was, uh, uh, I think, either a Cocker Spaniel or uh, either a a Sussex Spaniel or a a Long-Haired Dachshund, and Burns, who was the other one of those two. Um, The Wire Fox Terrier was picked over... Um, over those two, and the crowd booed the decision, and the crowd booed the decision to pick the Wire Fox Terrier out of the Terrier group on uh, Tuesday night.
1: Poor Vinny, he didn't deserve it. It
0: wasn't his fault. No, I know, and we're not booing the dog, but we're, like fans want a little bit of variety. But like at the same time, Daniel the Golden Retriever, who is um out of the Sporting group, was a huge fan favorite, and for good reason. I mean, he's a Golden Retriever. He's America's most popular dog.
1: And um. And a Golden Retriever, since being recognized by Westminster as a breed in 1925, has never won the Westminster Kennel Club dog show.
0: Which is super surprising to me. I mean, and there are also storylines that go with this as well. I mean, you talk about sports. Sports uh, sports is about entertainment. It's about storylines. You had two dogs from last year, um, Bono the Havanese and Wilma the Boxer, who were both in consideration for Best in Show last year, who made it back to the main stage this year. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
1: Second year in a row. And that's, that's pretty incredible to be able to keep up that maintenance and say, I'm going to come back and try to win this title. Um, also bourbon, the, the spindly little whippet who, who won the hound group was also last year um, named the best of his group. So uh, lots going on, but of course, Seba, the standard poodle from the non-supporting group won best in show, um, took the, took the cake away from, from sweet. And, and also, uh, Need not forget Conrad,
0: our Conrad the, uh, our
1: Shetland Sheepdog. Yes, yeah, th- those were our finalists, and Siba took it. Um, Siba was a very good girl, very well groomed, mm-hmm. um, absolutely beautiful presentation, and um, and impressed the best in show judge.
0: It's almost like we kind of forgot that that. That uh, Siva was there Because when you think show dog Like poodle has to be in that consideration you Of know, course they're, they're so prim and proper And we were just so focused on the Wire Fox Terrier Maybe not winning That all of a sudden When the poodle was crowned best in show We were like oh That's right I totally forgot
1: Well it's funny Like you think about a poodle too And like the poodle is used so frequently In, in I think even just specifically Westminster imaging Because it is so recognizable as a show dog And requires so much maintenance Um but i mean all all that considered while it is more work she still was chosen as the best of her breed and has every right to be there like just as much as the rest it's it's very exciting for her and and absolutely, we don't want to take any victory away from that though of course we were kind of secretly rooting for danny yeah
0: we were a little biased we're we're
1: not supposed to to do that but uh but our entire section was pretty much cheating chanting danny's name as as he was making his lap across the stage, patting his way through the grass. It was it was really a special, cool thing to be a part of that fan fan favorite awesome. fandom. Yeah. Yep. Um, But we got a really uh good look at all of these dogs. Uh, there were almost 3000 dogs there.
0: There were a lot of dogs. Yeah. And there are, there are I think, 200 and 205 breeds mm-hmm. that go through the that go through the ringer.
1: Not to mention, of course, the All-Americans. And, and we met a lot of dogs, guys. So we wanted to do some superlatives with some of these dogs that we met. Hopefully some of you guys are listening because we're going to do some shout-outs here. Yeah. Um, but, Andrew, who was the best cuddler?
0: So the best cuddler that we found uh, was our mini Australian Shepherd. Okay. Now, we didn't. I didn't get a name for this just because in our, I was going through the videos and I just couldn't find a name for it. But um, when our producer, Sarah, was younger, her family had an Australian shepherd. Mm. And uh, this Australian, this mini Australian shepherd went and cuddled with our producer, Sarah, for like a good minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah. And it was just the most wholesome, cutest thing to see, to like see this person who like has holds this dog near or dear to her heart as something from her past, mm-hmm. and uh, like just being able to to sit there and play with one and just you know have its fur all over the place and it just be so happy to be in the company of another human being mm-hmm. was really 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 nice. So uh, the, I'm surprised the, you didn't
1: pick one that you cuddled because you cuddled a lot of
0: dogs. I did cuddle a lot of dogs, but um I uh, that was the the best cuddling moment for me that sure. I saw. Okay. Do you have one? Who's your best cuddler?
1: Um, I I had to go a little biased on this one. I picked Dusky, our Finnish lap and friend, who is the the dog of our friend Kira. Um, mostly because I I cuddled several dogs through the weekend, but Dusky, I it was almost like he remembered us. She let him out I thought of the so crate. Too. Yeah, he came right over. And just came to us. right over, flopped over on his back, and just wanted to play and snuggle and. Get all of the scritches. and um,
0: he was given. He was he got all the belly rubs from you.
1: Oh yeah, we had a really really good snuggle. It was it was pretty awesome.
0: Our next category is uh, softest fur. Mm-hmm. Now I had some trouble picking this one. Who was yours?
1: My original inclination was Dusky, just because I got a really really good chance to to you know cuddle and swaddle him, um, but I ended up picking Kippy, the boy golden, um, that we met. Okay. Uh, Kippy was was super super soft and just so sweet and he kept doing that thing where I was sitting next to him on the ground and he just kept kind of like, um, for the podcast listeners, I'm I'm kind of raising my paw and like hitting the air and he was kind of doing that at me and so I got a, a really good feel on like a lot of different parts of my body on like my arm and on my face because he just kept wanting to pet me and so um. I, I really got a good sense of his fur, and, and that was mine. What about you?
0: So, I was originally going to go with the Chow Chow, but I didn't really have much um, FaceTime with the Chow Chow. Uh, my softest fur award goes to Wasabi the Pekingese.
1: Oh, yeah. So, Wasabi
0: the Pekingese came in second in the toy group. This, I just want you to picture like a dust bunny that's silver and gray and black with a with a face
1: yeah with like a little black donut hole face
0: right it's just like waddling around really slowly on the on the grass there it, it's just it looks like he weighs it looks like he's he looks like he weighs lighter than air yeah yeah and i just wanted to you know you know press up against his fur and, and snuggle him and and all that so uh wasabi the Pekinese. also. Probably the hands down best fitting name I think for that breed of dog.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I buy that. Um, I, 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 I kind of agree with you. Like very very soft. I feel like though it's so funny because he's he is very clean and very well groomed, but in a way he kind of looks like what my Roomba would look like if I just like left it in my like running through
0: my building app like for a whole day.
1: <sighs> um, yeah, he's he's got a really unique coat. Um, Who was your happiest pupper?
0: My happiest pupper goes to Maui, the golden retriever that we met on the first day. So uh, Maui was this dog that we came across that was doing tricks with her owner. And just the, the, the happiest, just watching her roll over and do all these tricks and like sit and do sad dog and like play dead. It was just delightful to see. And she always had a smile on her face, had her tongue out all the time. And was a very, very friendly dog. So uh, Maui, the golden retriever, is my happiest pupper.
1: She was a good girl. She was a very good girl. Mine was actually Stella, the Norwegian Buhund. Mm. Um, she w- she was one of the younger dogs that we talked to who was competing there. Yes. Um, we met her with a group of people from Seattle, and um, she gave you a lot of kisses. Yes,
0: I will talk about her in a bit.
1: Okay. Um, she was she was a really, really good kisser, but just a really good lover. She was so happy to be there. She went up to everyone and just wanted to say hi and play. She looked like she was just having the best time. The best puppy time.
0: My honorable mention goes to the group of 7 Papillons that I ran into on the first day. <laughs> Do you remember that where yes! it was just like a cuddle of butterfly dogs on top of me? They were
1: so funny. They
0: were. Yeah. So funny. That was a it was a a messy messy hectic interview, but I'm really happy that we that I got to cuddle with some Papillons. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Who is your most exquisitely groomed dog?
1: i picked the beddington terrier that we met whose name was zoolander Mm. perfect name by the way yes um the beddingtons are really interesting because they kind of like like um like a borzoi or a greyhound they have that long snoot you know um but they have floppy ears to the side and the way that they are groomed is very very specific for the breed um, but they're curly, and they're typically like a white-gray color. And parts of them are shaved, but parts of them aren't. Like, part of their ear is shaved, but part of it is not. Right. Their snoot remains um, curly, but underneath it is not. Um, it was just, it was a very interesting, I don't think I'd ever seen that dog before. And and it really struck me as a well-groomed dog. Who was yours?
0: Uh, I went with Siba, the one that ended up winning Best in Show, the standard poodle. Oh, just cool. because it's you know poodles are are groomed and cut so bizarrely for dogs they just when it when i hear the phrase toy dog and given um this particular poodle was out of the uh was out of the non sporting group but mo- the the poodles the other two poodle groups uh poodle breeds are out of the toy group you like they they look like toy dogs they yeah. do they're just like exaggerations and caricatures of dogs yeah and so i it, just like Poofs of hair in one area, completely shaved in others, like leg warmers. Like the like, it's we're back in the eighties, for example. Uh, it's really funny to see a I, a, a well groomed poodle.
1: I wish we had asked the question, and if anyone knows the answer, please let us know. Please shoot us an email or a slide in our DMs. But all of the poodle breeds that we saw had the same two. Do you know what I'm talking about? The two like um like little. Muffs on their on their bums mm-hmm. um the same two like yeah like little balls of fur and it was always two and it was always in the same place and they were always around the same size and I'm wondering if there's a reason for that but I never got an answer
0: yeah we didn't interview any poodles yeah they all look like they were um getting ready to go somewhere they looked very busy yeah. of course
1: um but yeah if anyone has the answer please uh slide into those dms um
0: our next ne- our next award is for tenderest kisser
1: yes um I have a feeling that our happiest dogs and our tenderest kissers are swapped.
0: Ah, okay. Which means that you picked. I picked Maui. You picked Maui. I Aww. picked our
1: little Maui Wowie, who Waui. gave such sweet kisses. And by the way, as far as um as far as dog breath is concerned, hurt she has none.
0: None of the dogs did. No. None of them. Hers have was breath. like,
1: if anything, like that sweet puppy breath. You yes. know, it was lovely. Um, I really enjoyed my kisses from Maui.
0: I went with Stella, the Norwegian Buhund, who we mentioned a little bit ago. Yep. Uh, we were interviewing this group of people from Seattle, and, uh, as I went to interview Stella, she just kind of jumped up on top of me and, and started, and started kissing me, and it was just really, it's nice. I didn't grow up with dogs, and so it, whenever I get kisses from a dog, I always, I always feel warm and special and, and, and fuzzy on the inside, just because I never had that, uh, and so it's nice, it's nice to get that now at a place, at a time when I, you know, am, uh, when I can really like cherish it and ingrain it in my mind. Sure. So Stella is my, is my pick for tenderest kisser.
1: Um, up next we have the laziest doggo.
0: Oh, this is fun. I want to hear yours first.
1: Okay. Um, I picked Jordan, the Basset Hound. Yay. He had one move during our interview with him, and he was essentially just flipping sides of his father. He was sitting on his father's lap. He was a large Basset Hound, and he's sitting on his father's lap. And he was, like, being
0: held like a child. Oh, yes. Like, like his butt was in his owner's lap, and his face was over his owner's shoulder. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, he was he was pretty badass and had those big ears and all of those wrinkles. Um, big fan very lazy, just wanted to snuggle with dad, had no interest in anything else going on.
0: I love Basset hounds there. I feel like they're the dog who's most likely to say, I love you. I agree. Yeah, like they're just the... Roo,
1: roo, roo, roo. And uh, they have it, toe beans and they're little... And they're, oh, I love
0: them. In the long ears. My laziest doggo goes to a Tibetan Mastiff whose name is Mouse. Now, a Tibetan Mastiff is a lion of a dog. Yes. These things are enormous. This thing was, I was, uh, I got a chance to lay down on the floor next to one. And it's about my height. And I'm like five foot nine. Right. And the fact that this thing is named Mouse <laughs> is hilarious to me. But I love that. But I just laid down on the floor. <laughs> no reaction at all. I was, my first question was, long day. And nothing. <laughs> nothing. I just... It's great to see, uh, and he had already competed earlier that day, but just to, um, to see him lying on the ground, just this big mane, this just puff of, of, of um, bronze and, and golden and tan hair sitting on the ground. It's, it's delightful yeah. because sometimes dogs need to, need to relax.
1: Oh, it's incredible. You met a lot of really big dogs. You know, guys, on our social media, you're going to see Andrew with a lot of really big dogs. I made
0: my fucking rounds on the big dogs. Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah,
1: you were not messing around. No. That's for sure. Last but not least, we have Best in Show. Now, I went ahead and considered this as from all of the dogs that we met. I Obviously. did too. I did as well, yes. I didn't want to just pick my best in show um, from the, the dogs that made it to best in I show. Mean, I mean,
0: I did that, but yes.
1: Mine was Jakaris the Borzoi. Oh. You can imagine why. I got to speak to two Borzois and it was really, really hard to choose between them both. Um, but Jakaris was so friendly, um, gave some good kisses, so elegant. And as you all know, Borzois are kind of my my jam, so... Yeah, that was my favorite. Who was yours?
0: So obviously we were big fans of Daniel the Golden Retriever and we yes. thought that we thought that uh, Daniel should have won best in Shell. Um but over uh through all the dogs and the 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 reason that I picked this particular dog is because I just need to tell the entire story of our weekend with this particular dog. My best in Shell pick is De Niro the Rat Terrier. Yeah. And so the the, the the story behind this doesn't really stem from de Niro itself because a, a rat terrier looks exactly like you you think it might. It looks like a it's 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 a rat-shaped dog head with a longer with a, a long skinny neck and, and it's black and it's got um like brown legs.
1: I will say, though, my aunt has a rat terrier. And if she's listening, she's going to be so mad I said this. But it might be the ugliest dog I've ever seen in my life. And De Niro is actually quite handsome.
0: I agree. He is quite a handsome dog. But this story doesn't really lie with De Niro. It lies with his handler, Tony. So Tony was in that group of uh, with from Seattle where we met uh, Stella, the Norwegian Boo Hunt from. And so we went we got to interviewing them. Right. And uh, we the the three people that were there. Uh, they were. They all had – there were two women and Tony, and they all were dressed in different colors. One was purple, one was lime green, and Tony was in a blue suit. And so I, we interviewed them. We went through the standard, you know, how many times have you been here, all that stuff. And then I started asking them about their um, their outfits, their fashion, because that's always something that's been interesting as well is what goes into the outfit of a dog handler. And they talked about, you know, you want to compliment the dog, like uh, subconsciously a blue suit represents first place, things like that. Like if you're wearing, if you have a black dog or a brown dog, you don't want to wear a black suit or a brown suit because then it'll um, wash out the silhouette of the dog. But then I asked him about his tie and I said, where did you get that tie? Because I want it. And he responded with, you can have it if you want it. And so (laughs) we ran into them a couple more times during the week and, um, Eventually it got to like they said come see us at Madison Square Garden after it uh, after you know come see us at Madison Square Garden and I'll give you the damn tie. So we ran into them on uh, we didn't see them on Monday but we knew that they'd be there for the terrier group because uh, De Niro ended up winning best of breed for the rat terrier so he would be at Madison Square Garden. And we ran into them and I was like, I've come for my tie, sir. And he said, OK, come back at the end of the night because
1: he was wearing because he's
0: wearing the same tie with yeah. the same suit and all that stuff.
1: He also, by the way, shout out to Tony. He took the first group photo of me, you and Sarah because we have no pictures together. <laughs> That's right. But we got a nice little picture with De Niro. They were just the nicest people. Um, and then he texted it. So we had his number. We go back and they, of course, are gone. Um, but he he shot a text and was like, you know, it was so nice meeting you guys. We're so sorry we had to run out. Please have Andrew send me his address.
0: Which to that I was like,
1: <laughs> because So nuts.
0: We went back downstairs after Best in Show and I'm like, they're probably not going to be there. It's fine. It's it's fine. It's a tie. It's whatever. And then you sent me the screenshot of it and it said, please have Andrew send me, please uh, grab Andrew's address for me. And I. <laughs> dying at that so I, hopefully... sent it. <laughs> I mean I, as
1: much much to my hesitation i sent it i was like you know you really don't
0: need to send this tie no was and I was, like, I was like seriously you don't need to send the tie i was i think you're gonna get a tie i really mail. do think I'm, I'm about to get a tie so and stay i'll stay tuned and i hope <laughs> i hope that i do get it and i'll be able to bring it in so it was pretty cool yeah but for for those reasons Uh, De Niro, the rat terrier is my, uh, my best in show. He was
1: a handsome dog with a handsome handler who just, we just had a great relationship. It was a really, you guys, we had so much fun this week and I'm so glad it's so much fun to just kind of recap it and relive it right after it's happened. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing all of our content and, and already next year, like it's, this is awesome. This has been so much fun.
0: Seriously. All right, we should are we are we are, we we are out, and we've been at this for a half hour. We should put it to bed. So we need to uh, we need to put the dog to bed for a minute, and we need to take a break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about some other things because we did have sports that went on in the world.
1: Yes, we did. Yes, we did. So and that's we have what we do. yes,
0: uh, we have a bachelor recap coming. Yes, we do. And I want to talk about the first weekend of play of the XFL. Okay. Uh, sit, stay. We will be back in a minute. <laughs> Welcome back to Under Further Review. I'm Andrew, and that's Kata. Hi. Hello. So uh, we had some other sports go on uh, over the last week. We had the first week of the XFL. Very exciting. Football is not over, kids. Football is, in fact, not over. It is, in fact, back with a vengeance. So we were at the show. We were at the dog show over the weekend. So but like we left in the middle of the afternoon. Did you get to watch any XFL action?
1: I I I'm not gonna lie to you. I came home, I put it on, and I was just so exhausted that I napped through it. Totally um, fair. I really did not see a whole lot. So you're gonna have to kind of give me the rundown. Um I, I do know kind of what happened. It was it was a very exciting weekend, and people are really buying into it. Yeah,
0: so the overall reaction to the the the, uh, the XFL's first week was that it was successful, and I agree. I thought it was a very successful opening weekend. It was exactly what they needed. The first game that they had, which was um, the DC Defenders against the Seattle Dragons, it was 31-19. It was exactly what they needed because the, the first iteration of the XFL was just plagued by terrible football and um, you know, less emphasis on the football and more on the entertainment aspect of it, you could very much tell that they were, uh, they were bent on making the football good. Yeah. And I really think that through the four games over the weekend, they they really accomplished that. We
1: also we talked a lot about just kind of the differences between the original XFL and what to expect with this new iteration of the XFL on last week's podcast. So if you list, if you missed it, definitely go back and listen. Um, lots going on. Uh, and you and you said that was a good game. Well yeah, looked.
0: yeah, it was a good game. Um, I the, the offenses uh, were able to move the ball pretty well. These some of these new rules that I did explain last week, I finally got to see in action. And let me tell you, I understand them a lot more. And you know what? I actually kind of like some of them a little bit better than I like the NFL's rules. Do tell. I will. So the first thing that you notice if you ever watch an XFL game is the kickoff. The kickoff is totally different. So the kicker is where he normally is. He's going to kick off from his own thirty-five. His ki- the rest of the kicking team is all the way down at the other end of the field on the opponent's thirty-five yard line. Interesting. The receiving team is lined up in a line five yards away from them at their thirty-yard line. So you have both teams lined up uh, parallel from each other five yards apart. So you have the kicker all the way back. He kicks off to the rece- to the uh, to the returner. Nobody on the the uh, the kicking or receiving team lines can move until the rece- uh, returner has touched the ball. Okay, and I like this because it it, it eliminates that um, it eliminates the 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 running collision from fifty yards away. Yeah, the chaos. Yeah, yeah, it eliminates that while also you know it gives the kicking team a good enough chance to defend a kick. Sure. Yeah. So that was the first thing that you noticed. The other thing that we noticed is the point after touchdowns, which is I think is the most fun thing, and I really think the NFL should experiment with this. So there's no kicks after the touchdown. Okay. You can you have to go for it but you can go for it from three different spots for three different point values. Right. So yes. you can go for it from the you can go for it from the 2-yard line for 1 point, go for it from the 5-yard line for 2 points, or from the 10-yard line for 3 points. And so like you can have a 9-point touchdown.
1: Did did people actually experiment with using the different the different options
0: Yeah, there were a couple times when people went for two from the 5-yard line. I feel like we're not going to see many 3-point ones until you get, you know, down by a lot in the fourth quarter. Sure. But like a 21-point game, you know, it's it you can you can make the margin up in more ways than one. Sure, sure. Um overtime, which we haven't seen yet, is going to be in shootout form. You get 5 uh you get 5 tries from the 5-yard line. Whoever converts the most touchdowns from the 5-yard line on the one play that they get wins
1: and that is still to be determined if it's like a back and forth kind of thing Um, but I'm sure we will
0: find out soon yeah Um, overall I thought it was a great great start for them great yeah you had four games Uh, the I, I still think that they could improve upon pace of play because the games are still around 3 hours long. Okay. They uh, they have a referee who's there to basically just spot the ball. They keep the clock moving except for the last 2 minutes of the uh, except for the last 2 minutes of the half. Replays are limited to 60 seconds, but they still could tighten it up just a touch. Another thing that I really like is their emphasis on sports betting which is on the screen. No, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm an expert on sports betting. I don't bet on sports. I tend to stay away from it. I know Mike is really big into that, but I te- I just tend to stay away from it. Fair. So I'm, I'm yeah. But I like that they're uh, reaching out to that group of fans who are into that. The over-under is on the screen the whole time. The wow. game's over-under is on the screen the whole time, as is the uh, the spread. That's Yeah, that's crazy. Which is fun. Um, they're in comparison to the AAF, which we saw last year. I know that they had a, a season of hype to really build upon 20 years ago. But this iteration of the NFL has – it's got – their ideas down. They've got the financial backing. They've got the uh. They've got the TV support, and they've got the football talent to back it up. It's kind of like a midway point between the NCAA and the NFL. You've got the best, our best college people who weren't good enough to make it to the NFL. Like a G League or a D League. It kind of seems like that. Sure. And you know, I think if they continue the way that it's been doing, I think we're gonna see the uh, XFL stick around for a while. That's My awesome. one suggestion. Well, I have two. My first. Not so important suggestion is to find better uniforms because you would think with all that money, they could have spent a little bit more time on the uniforms yeah. like the L.A. Wildcats. It's just a, it's just bad
1: there. It's a lot to to look at, too, color wise. It's yes. just there isn't a whole lot of class or tradition to it. It's very modern. And I, and we get it. It's it's a new sport. It's a new league. It's it's that's kind of the thing. But but yeah, they're they are kind of a lot to look at. they are a lot on the ice. My
0: other suggestion is to find different stadiums. Okay. Now you can play. It's great to have a team here in New York where you're playing at MetLife Stadium, but they're closing off the upper two decks, and so you just have the right. You just have the lower bowl full of people. Now the first game that we saw, which was in Washington D, which was in Washington D.C., which was in a soccer stadium of 25,000 people, it felt like the joint was full, and it was, and it felt like it was a louder crowd, more intimate setting. I think if you move it toward that and then work your way up to larger venues, once the demand grows, then you're going to have something. It fe- it'll feel more special to have something for an intimate crowd.
1: I wonder. And and starting in in just a couple of weeks, when I start covering rugby, I'll be down at MCU Park in Brooklyn, which is not, by the way, it's a lot easier for for New Yorkers, city dwellers to get to. Um, like that could be a really interesting fit for New York. Um, yeah, that would be really interesting. And, and hopefully in this like, quote unquote football offseason, which isn't really an offseason because we have the XFL um, and we're watching more sports and um, kind of getting a little bit of a feel for the diversity that's happening in the groves, sports like soccer and rugby. Um, maybe we'll we'll kind of get a little bit more of an eye for that. That would be interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. So a uh, good first Good first try for the XFL. And yeah. I'm really excited to see what they have. Uh, hopefully they can keep up the momentum next week. Maybe we'll get an overtime game or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I will be watching this weekend. I'm very, very excited. Good. Um, it should be very fun.
0: And finally, uh, we're two-segment show today. Uh, we have a Bachelor recap. We do. We have some things to talk about. We're down to our final four? We are. Already? Already. Oh, my God. Yup.
1: This is where it gets really exciting. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background, because you're not watching, once you get to the final four, we're still very, very far from being done. Oh, God. Um, w- w- this is where the magic happens. So traditionally, I will say this season has been a little on the disappointing side in the sense of there, there isn't a clear front runner to um, just because the while it may be one of the most beautiful seasons we've ever seen, the selection of women that. Has been presented to Peter. It doesn't look like any of them have really made the connection that is necessary. He's connected with all of them on a very kind of shallow level. um, But hasn't really gotten to know them very well.
0: So once they, if you win The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, do you just like, are you like sworn to marry them? Or is it just like, now you're my boyfriend?
1: The goal is to get engaged.
0: Is it really? The
1: goal is to get engaged. Of The
0: Bachelor is to get engaged? Yes. By the end? Yes. Oh, my God. That's so much pressure, not just on the person who's the focus of the season, but on everybody else who's competing for it.
1: Absolutely. This is a lot. It's very stressful because, and that's that's why it's a little bit stressful going into this Final Four is because... I don't really know. I don't feel confident enough in any of those relationships to say, oh, in a few weeks, these people could be engaged. Right. Um, We saw on Colton's season most recently, um, he wanted to get engaged to Cassie Randolph. She said she wasn't ready and actually left the show before the final week. And he convinced her to come back and just date for a while. And that's where they are right now, still in their relationship. Um, I could see something like that happening. I don't really know. But, um, but here we are, final four. Um,
0: <laughs> please tell me I don't know who's left. I don't check the the sheet that we made. Who's so, got who's got what? Victoria F, mine. Yep. Hannah Ann, also mine. Yep. Madison. Holy shit. No, wait. Who's the fourth one? Kelsey mine is yours okay cool so I don't all right cool so three I have three and you have one left yes
1: you've got you've got the three brunettes and I've got the blonde (laughs) Um,
0: now does Kelsey do you think have a chance of winning this whole thing
1: all right here's my thing I don't think any of them do okay still it's so guys it is so hard for me to comprehensively wrap my head around Peter possibly being with any of them and and I know we said this was you've been nagging me because I keep saying it's a Hannah Brown thing Mm -hmm. all right so there I've been thinking a lot about this Victoria F and him have a very strong connection Um, they've gone on a couple of dates I don't think she's ready. She's kind of being ungrateful. He's taken her on on one on one dates a couple of times, and she's been like kind of like a weird bitch about it. Also, we know that she has this whole white lives matter thing going on. In which, oh. r-
0: wait, wait, I told you about this, right? No, oh, The Bachelor. Oh uh, yeah.
1: So, um, Cosmo or someone figured out that uh, she modeled for a campaign that used the slogan "White Lives Matter." Apparently, it was for like white whales or something. Cute. But the campaign did have a lot of usage of like Confederate flags. You did tell me about
0: this. That's right.
1: Anyway, she actually won a challenge a couple of weeks ago with Cosmo to be on the cover for March. And um, they pulled the cover because they were like, we didn't know when we chose the winner. And we don't support, we are proud supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, But they, I think, have the strongest connection because we haven't seen Madison in a while. Um, She's kind of been keeping a low profile with all the drama that's been going on. And Hannah Ann is just too young. And she said a couple of weeks ago that she's never been in love. Kelsey, I think, is ready. Kelsey is a little nuts. I'm a little worried about her um, psychologically and um, nothing against her. I'm sure she's a lovely person, but I don't think it's right. There is a rumor going around that Peter ends up with one of the show's producers. Okay. It is a woman named Julie. All right. She's been producing The Bachelor for several years. Okay. Um, and was allegedly... So when you go on the show, you're basically like assigned a producer. Right. Um, you don't know who that producer is pretty much until it gets towards the end. But Julie was his producer. Okay. Um, Peter's father recently posted a picture on Instagram. Like a family photo of them all at dinner together over the holidays. And Peter and Julie are in the center of this photo. Okay. Um. It would be the craziest thing to happen in the history of The Bachelor okay. if these two end up together. But I would like to propose something. Okay. I would like to propose that I, I draft
0: Julie. As well as Kelsey?
1: Well, it evens the scales a little bit.
0: Does it But though? we
1: didn't consider her as a potential option when we did this draft.
0: Because she was not a potential option when we did this draft. But... She is now. No. No, she's not. But I don't think so.
1: No, you're you're no, vetoing it?
0: I think so. And I think it's a little unfair too. That you can what? be that you can be like I watched the show and so this is going to happen. No. Okay. Come on.
1: What if I get Julie but you get Hannah Brown?
0: Nah. I'm no, I'm 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 more likely to just stick with the people that we drafted.
1: Okay, but why? Why when none of them have a chance of winning? Don't you want to win? You are so competitive, Andrew. I don't care. I, I
0: don't... expected more of you. When it comes down to it, I really don't care at all.
1: Uh, I think, I think, and, and you know what? People have said there you have been. Can save,
0: you can save your pride and be like, I'm putting a pride vote in for, for Julie.
1: Fine. Fine. That's what I'll do. Great. There are people, there are experts, so like Reality Steve, who like does all of the spoilers, who's been like, this is absolutely nuts, bogus. There's no way this is possible. Um, oh, we also know they spent New Year's Eve together in Times Square. But um, why Ew, gross I mean and here's the other thing she could very much just be the person in charge of following him around and making sure he doesn't spoil the ending could be. but we, we don't know that um, but um, one of the the creators of the show or producers of the show an executive from ABC came out to people and was like this I'm not gonna say it's not true and I'm not gonna say it is so this has the potential to really turn itself on its head as we look ahead we have a new episode on Monday We've got the four girls, and this is the hometowns episode. So, Peter's going to go with them to each of their hometowns and meet their families and meet their friends yep. and figure out their lives. Um, and after hometowns, he'll eliminate one of them, I believe. Okay. Um, Actually, no, I think it goes to two. Never mind. I'm sorry. It goes to two. Last year, it was, or for Hannah's season, it was one because she wasn't ready to let two of them go. Ah. It goes to two, and then we have fantasy suites. All right. So, they go to another exotic location and have the option to fuck. Yeah, yep. And then... Have the six. And then we have a winner. All right. Allegedly. Right. There are all of these previews that are like, we just found out something happened, and then Peter is on a bed, and he's passed out, and he's like, I couldn't have
0: anticipated this. This is so stupid. Oh, my God. It's so This is so dumb.
1: But that's the Bachelor recap. Excellent. Everything's fine now, guys. Don't worry. I think that's all we have today. Housekeeping-wise, you guys, next week is our last show of the season.
0: Yes, it is. 25 Um,
1: weeks. Twenty-five weeks. Yeah, I, I think we did a little bit more last year.
0: We did one more episode last year. Yeah, less. we might
1: have, but um, I, I don't know why we we did that.
0: Me either. We extended two weeks past. My I thing. I don't know. It was we weird.
1: we like to cover the NFL, um, yeah. but we're we're gonna come and we're gonna we're gonna do a a different kind of show for you next week for our finale, um, and then hopefully, obviously over the off season, things that you can look forward to. Last year we did a little bit of a draft show, just kind of a pop up draft show. Mm-hmm. We tried to put out some summer content, some drunk interviews. And um, we're not going anywhere, but um, definitely tune in and maybe we'll have some surprises and things. Yeah. We'll be back at you
0: next week for our final episode of the season. Yeah. So I can't believe we're here. Yeah. Guys, this has been so much fun. Thank you guys for joining us on our journey as always. Uh, once again, feel free to follow us on the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at Vodcast. If you have questions or anything that you want us to cover on the show that we're not already doing, feel free to send us an email, AndrewEncotta at gmail.com. You can find us uh, anywhere podcasts are sold, except for Spotify, because we're not that cool yet. That happens every Thursday, I hope. It's a one-day turnaround this week, so <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. Um, but yeah, thanks guys for uh, for joining us this week, and uh, we will we will catch you on the flip-flop. The flip-flop. Yes. My name is Andrew. I'm Cotta. And this is and under further review. Bye, everybody.